Praise God. Were y'all glad to be in church? Amen. I hope so, because I want to share a word with you this morning that can change your life, set you free, turn your life all around, bless everybody around you. If you just apply it, if you just hear it and all you're thinking about right now is roast and biscuits and cornbread or something, you know, you're not going to get anything. So praise God. So get your Bibles out. And if you would, I want you to look again at last week's scripture, Proverbs 24.10. Proverbs 24.10. I want to review just a little bit of last week. I, I encourage you to go get uh, last week's message if you didn't read it or didn't read it, didn't, didn't hear it. And then Wednesday night, I kind of touched a little bit more on this. So you want to listen to Wednesday night. Wednesday night was a great message. I just had a lot of fun Wednesday night. Um, great story. Of the book out of the book of Esther, but anyway, you, you can go listen to it. But Proverbs 24 10 says, If you faint the dead of adversity, your strength's small. Bottom line is, church, right now, we got a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of demonic things going on, a lot of crazy things going on, a lot of you know, sickness and this and that and the other, a lot of fear, a lot of uh, anxiety going on in the world. But if we faint, the only reason why we would faint was because our strength was small or our faith was small. Can I have an amen? You know, the bottom line is, you know, you, 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 I didn't watch much of the Olympics. I was a little perturbed at the Olympics. But, you know, you, you don't just get up one day and say, you know, I think I'm going to go try out for the Olympics. Right? I mean, there's years and years and years and years of preparation in order to, to, to have your body in the shape to go be an Olympian. Right? And so you don't just defeat the enemy because, you know, just because you just got up one day and did it. You defeat the enemy in your life because you learn the word of God and you apply the word of God to your life and you develop and you know what your prayer life is. You know what Jesus will do. You know what faith will bring forth. You know what the promises are. Amen. You can't walk in the promises of God if you don't know what the promises of God are. You, you can't pray prayers. God, if you're Willing, can you do this? Because that isn't that isn't faith. That isn't what that isn't what the Bible's all about. That's not what Jesus called us. He called us to be more than conquerors. Everybody say more than conquerors. Look at the person beside you and say, You're more than a conqueror. That's who you are. He called you to be more than a conqueror. He called you to be a, I mean, a devil defeating, giant, killing, powerful person by the Holy Ghost on the face of this earth. He, you know, remember the, you remember the, the, the sons of Sceva that went to cast the devil out of the guy and there were seven of them. They went into the, to the house and were going to cast the devil out of him. And the, and the demonic man turned to him and said, look, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Right. And then he commenced to thrash them, ripped all their clothes off of them and they ran out of there naked. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to face the devil, get whipped and just get out with your life. Right? You want it to be the other way. You want to be able to walk into a situation and the devil says, oh no, <laughs> they showed up. Amen. Right? You don't want to get up in the morning and be fearful. You want to get up and the morning is fearful because you're up. Amen. Hello? You want to be more than a conqueror. You don't want a weak faith. You want a strong faith. You want to be able to walk into the, whatever the adversity is, whatever the doctor says, whatever the report comes back said, that's nothing for my God. Those kind of people advance the kingdom of God. Those kind of people see victory in life. Those kind of people see the, miracle, the miraculous power of God flowing into the life. Yes, Amen. So today's not a day to be timid. Today's a day to be bold as a lion. So, this message went on, and it says in, in Jeremiah 50, verse 25, that the Lord has opened his armory and has brought out all the weapons of his indignation. God has a gun room. Can I have an amen? God has an armory, it says. He's got a gun room, and in that armory is everything you need to have victory in life. Okay, so you've been wounded in life. Something bad's happened to you in life. I understand that, but God in his armory has a weapon that can heal your soul, heal your mind, heal your heart, heal you completely so that you can be a just devil stomping person in the face of the earth. Amen? But you got you to gotta tap into those weapons. So I caught a little flack over this one. Not, a, not any flack, just a couple of raised eyebrows, you know, of Jeremiah 51, 20. 
Jeremiah 51, 20 says, you are my battle axe and the weapons of war. And, you know, a few people, because, I, I, you know, I don't know that y'all have ever heard that term. I mean, y'all are good people. Y'all don't talk, talk in those realms. But, you know, I've heard it said before that a person who's a little grumpy, a little aggressive, a little loud mouth, they have been referred to as battle axes. Oh, that's old battle axe over there. I don't want to mess with them. But I really want that. Let me, let me tell you something. I want to be known as a battle axe in hell. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want the devil to know when he's messing with me, he's going to be messing with a warrior. He's going to be messing with a more than a conqueror. He's going to be messing with somebody that is not going to give up, that I am going to be a battle axe for God. Amen? So you want to be a battle axe. You want to be a weapon that's sharp, that cuts, that smashes, that does everything it's intended to do. Okay? So I told you there's two battlefronts, and last week we touched on the first battlefront, and I don't really want to go over that, but the, birth, the first battlefront you've got to defeat and use these weapons God has for you is in your own heart and mind, okay? Because you're not any good as a battle axe if you're dull. How many of y'all, y'all ought to know this, everybody's probably experienced this in life, how many of you have had an axe? You know, a good old double-bladed cedar axe, and you missed. And the head, the handle right up at the top was a little splintered. Hello? Anybody ever had that happen? So then you began to be a little unsure that if the next time you hit it, was the head going to come flying off? Was it going to break? Right? You don't want to be that kind of person in life that you don't know what you've got in you. That if, is your head going to come flying off? Right? How many of us has taken those axes and drove fencing staples in them to try to keep the head on? Right? If you've ever messed with one, you know it. Soak it in a bucket of water and drive a couple of fence staples in it and go to work. You just hope it doesn't dry out and get loose and the head flies off. Same as in life. You don't want to be a battle axe in your Christian walk that you're going to lose your head. You want, to be a, you want to be a Christian who is healed on the inside of you of the wounds and the hurts. Do you know most people react and get angry simply because it's a protection me mechanism? They do not want to be hurt again. Well, if you got healed, then you don't have to worry about acting like that. And so the first front you've got to work on, and I went through this last week, you know, you've got to, you've got to develop your own culture. Who are you in Christ? What are you, going to, what are you going to be? What kind of a Christian are you going to be? You've got, you can't do it without truth. If you don't know the truth of God's words, you're going to be defeated. You've got to learn to control your tongue. And can I have an amen? So now I want to go into the second area. That's the first area. You've got to deal with you. You've got to use God's weaponry on you to become whole. I, I'm so tired of, of, you know, some people use it as an excuse because they don't want to serve God. And they say, oh, you Christians are all like, well, the truth is they just didn't really want to serve God and they were just looking for an out. But there are a lot of people who attend a church who are called themselves Christians who do not act in honesty and integrity, and it turns people off. I mean, that, 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 that's the truth. So we don't want to be that. We want to be the people that... Um, tip the biggest at the cafe or the biggest blessers, right? That, that uh, uh, people know that if we're doing business, we're going to do it honestly because that's, that's the kind of people we are. You know, we want to know, we want, that's what we, you need in the face of this world. Because the second area, the second battlefield we've got to fight is battling the enemy in this world and the whispers in people's ears. Now listen to me. Right now, the devil is having a heyday whispering in people's ears. Going around whispering in this politician's ears, whispering in this person's ear, whispering in that person's ear, getting everything that he possibly can get stirred up as much as he can. Anybody that'll listen to him, anybody that'll catch a whiff of whatever and go off on a rant, boy, that, this is, that's what he's doing today, okay? So let me show you a story. Go to the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. So the second battlefront is now, you know, you've, you've, you've used God's weapons on you, but now you're out there in the world. And how are you going to be in the world? How are you going to react in the world? How are you going to portray Christ in the world? 
So let's look at this story, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, and when they had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains he had pulled apart by himself, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. He was always night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What's your name? And he says, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding near the mountains, and all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. The unclean spirits went out of, out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000. And, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told him how it happened to them, who had been demon-possessed about the swine, and they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Now, just let's think about this story for a minute. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus just gets the boat, just gets up to the shore, it says, here comes legion running out of there. He didn't come out of there to probably attack people like he had before. He came out there, saw it was Jesus, fell down right there and started worshiping. Said, oh, don't torment me. So in other words, he knew who was boss. Don't ever forget that. The devil knows who's boss. All he wants you to do is think that he's boss. I always remember the story about Smith Wigglesworth, a great old time preacher. And he said that he was at a bus stop one day and he was sitting there and he had, was getting ready to get on the bus, and he was standing there. And he, was a, he was a real stately man, and he was just standing there with his top hat on and his umbrella getting ready to get onto the bus. And he said there was a little old lady that came walking on the street, and her little dog was following her. And the little dog's following her. Said, she turned around, and she said to the dog, I don't remember the dog's name, I want to call it Skippy. He said, Skippy, go home. And, and she just kind of made some motions, and then she turned around and started walking, and the dog just kept following her. And then she turned around, Skippy, go home. And said, turn around, started walking, the dog just kept following her. Finally, she turned around and said, Skippy, go home. And she just kind of jumped at the dog and ran at the dog. And man, that dog shoo, took off. And he just got a revelation right there at the bus stop and raised his hands up and says, My God, that's how we're supposed to take care of the devil. Everybody looked at him like he was crazy, but he got a revelation. He said, That's it. You know, it'll keep following you until you turn around with the authority in Christ and say, Be gone, right? Well, here's Legion. He comes down, and he falls down. He's worshiping Jesus. And then, you know, the situation, I just read the story. He goes on, and they're getting cast into the pigs, and all this thing comes happening. And the people come out. This is what I want you to notice. The people come out. They see the, the results. They see, they see the man clothed in his right mind there. They're looking at him. Man, that's old crazy Charlie over there. Chase everybody in the tomb. Look at him. He's totally healed. Right? But it made them afraid. So they said, depart. Go, uh, we, don't, we don't know this. How many of y'all, and you don't have to raise your hands or anything like I'm not looking for them. I'm asking that as just a, a rhetorical question. But how many of you have had friends before or, or, or associates, acquaintances, anything like that, that you tried to talk to, to them about Jesus or you tried to talk to them about, you know, something on a spiritual level and they're just like, Eep! you know, the air gets sucked right out of the room, you know? Right? I think you've all experienced that at some point. Well, this is what happened, but it got sucked out of the whole country. They wanted Jesus to leave, and it says, so he departed from there. But then this happens. Let me read on here. It says, um, here, I lost some place. And they begged him and pleaded with him to depart from the, that region. And when he got in the boat, 
he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Now, Legion wants to go be an apostle. It's really interesting to me, this is not the message, but it is interesting to me, how Jesus went and called every one of the apostles, and he even gave the invitation to the rich young ruler to be an apostle, and he refused it. And here's Legion, the demon-possessed guy that lives in the tomb, says, I want to be with you. And this is what Jesus told him, says, no, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. So he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis and all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Okay, so Jesus said, no, no, you can't go with me. But what I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to begin to proclaim to your friends what's happened to you. All right. Now, flip over a couple of chapters to Mark 7. Mark 7, 31. So now some time's passed. Some time has gone on. Jesus went on. He left from there. He left Legion. I hate to call him Legion because that was just the, the, how many demons, but I don't know what the guy's name was. But Legion, he left him there, and Legion's now been out proclaiming all what Jesus has done for him. So now Jesus returns. I don't know what the time period is, but there's been a time period transpire. I don't know if it was a month. I don't know if it was two weeks. I don't know if it was six months. I, I, I don't know how to tell you, but I just know it's been gone, and he comes back. And again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis. This is that region that Legion was in. And they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put out his hand to him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put in his fingers into his ears. And he spat and touched his tongue. And they looked up in heaven, sighed, and he said, you know, uh, whatever the word is there, that is be open. And immediately his ears were open and the impediment speech. Wait a minute. Now there's people getting healed in that area. Before they're wanting him to leave. And now the area is ripe for evangelism, ripe for miracles, okay? Look down verse 36. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it and were astonished beyond measure, saying, what is done? He who has done all these things and makes both the deaf and the, and the mute to hear. Jesus wasn't trying to get them to be quiet. He was trying to control it because there was too many people and he couldn't control the crowds. Wait a minute. This is the same area that before was saying, ah, go from us, we don't want you. And now there's so many people. Jesus is having to try to control the crowd. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. In that days, the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called us up. The multitude? What? The multitude? This is a story of feeding the 4,000. So we went from a region that did not want Jesus there to a region that had a multitude of people there, miracles, signs, wonders taking place. These people, the miracle to me, listen, the miracle to me is not that the bread and the fish multiplied. That's not the miracle, in my opinion. The miracle is that they stayed there three days without eating, listening to Jesus. I mean, I know, y'all gonna start looking at your watches if I start going late. We only been here two hours, you know, and y'all look and say, what time is See, everybody starts getting antsy, <laughs> rolling around the seat, moving from one side to the other. Yeah. Three days, they sat on the side of the hill just to listen to Jesus. He said, they're too hungry, they'll faint on the way home. We got to do a miracle for them. The miracle was that they stayed there three days. But you, what I'm trying to say to you is this region was changed by one man going and telling one other man, what Jesus had done for him. And then that other man told another man who then told another man who then told another man who then told another man till there became a multitude, 4,000 people sitting there for three days that had to be fed because it started with one. Folks, you can change your world one person at a time. You don't need a multitude. You don't need to go and to have mass crowds. I never forget, you know, when I was young, I did not understand this. And, and I, I, you know, I just, 
I was always thinking, you know, big multi, you know, tent meetings. I, I want to get 100,000 people or whatever. And I never forget that I had the opportunity to preach in the Ukraine. And I was preaching there and it was about, uh, the crowd was estimated about 1,000, 1,500 people that night. And on a stage and, and, and I never forget, I looked at these people and I, I said to me, I said to the Lord, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? I was dumbfounded because I never thought about that. They've never heard the gospel. They've never been in church. They don't know who Abraham is, Isaac, Jacob. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who the disciples are. They've been in communism all the years. They don't know anything. And all of a sudden, I was just like, that message won't work. That message won't work. That message won't work. What, Lord, what do I say? And I never forget the Lord said, <clears throat> I looked down at the ground, and they had like a tree that looked kind of like a sycamore tree. And there was a leaf on the ground. He said, pick up the leaf. And I said, what am I going to do with the leaf? And he said, pick up the leaf. And, and I said, okay. And he said, I want you to go up and, and tell them that you're here to tell them about the God who made this leaf. And I thought, oh, this better work. You know, this doesn't sound. And I never forget, I got up there and I stood there on the podium and there's all these people looking at me. And I said, I'm here tonight to tell you about the God who made this leaf. And, the, I, and their faces just brightened. And then I said, then I caught on. I said, it was an outdoor meeting. And I said, I'm here to tell you about the God who put the stars in the sky. I'm here to tell you about, you know, and, and I'm telling you about the God who made you. And I mean, when I started doing that, and, just started, and then when it came time, I gave an altar call and I didn't know how to do it because there were so many people and I didn't have enough people to work with me. Finally, I said, everybody that wants to be saved and ask Jesus in your life, step forward. And everybody just went, Whoo. So it's like, okay, I'll just pray with everybody. I don't know what to do. And so my point was, is it's, I saw hunger in these people's lives to, to see it. It was the most, it was just such a gratifying, awesome day in my life to be able to be a part of something like that and see what God was doing. But I, I, I've always sat and thought, I don't know what happened from there. But I know that those people heard the gospel and then they went and told somebody else. And so no telling what. And then years go by, years go by, 10 years pass. I go back and all of a sudden there's this huge, huge church. So there, hold a thousand people and all these people are involved in it and they're, they're there and they all came out of those meetings and, and I'm like, wow, look what got done because one person told another person told another person told another person told another person and it just kept growing at all. But what the devil wants us to do is to be quiet. And right now the devil really wants us to be quiet in the world. He doesn't want us to say, because if you say you're a Christian, you believe the Bible's true, well then you know you're a racist or a homophobe or you're a something, and, and they want to put you in the devil. But no, we've got to be the day that we're, we're proclaiming that we are Christians, but folks, you've got to do point one first, get your own heart right, so you're representing Jesus in a good fashion. But then our job is to tell somebody. And right here, you can see what Legion did. The whole region changed because he started out preaching and doing what he was, he was supposed to. He wasn't ashamed, okay? Look at Mark 8, 36. Mark 8, 36. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? There's nothing. Listen to me, church. I, I, there's nothing wrong with having big business. There's nothing wrong with making millions of dollars. Make millions of dollars and learn to be a tither. Give it to the church, the water hole, and we'll take care of it for you. But if you did all of that and forsook Jesus because you were too busy in the world, Jesus said, man, there's nothing more important than a soul. Do you hear what I'm saying? Church, there is nothing on this earth more valuable. It's more valuable than gold, silver, rubies, plutonium, whatever it be, rare earth minerals. The most important thing on the face of this earth is a soul. A soul. Why do you think we're working with Kenya and working in Guatemala? Because they're souls. They're souls to touch. There's nothing more valuable than a soul. You've got to understand that. Even though there's people in the world that are really, really fools, there's still a soul. You've got to start changing your value system. There's nothing more valuable than a soul. Some souls don't cost as much to win as others do, but it doesn't make any difference. A soul is valuable. So Jesus says, if you, if you gain the whole world, but you lost your soul, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in his glory and, his, and with his Father and his holy angels. Folks, listen to me. You've got to understand something. We are all commissioned as ambassadors of Christ to tell people what God has done for us. Hear me? 
You are commissioned by God to tell people what God has done for you. And if you don't or you're scared, somebody's going to think you're crazy or religious or flaky or you're goofy or you're one of those or you're one of them, you know, whatever's out there, you know, you're not going to be cool. You're not going to be in the in crowd, whatever. If you're ashamed of that, who? I can tell you you're in trouble. Because I want Jesus calling out my name when I get to heaven. I'm pleading the blood. I'm believing in the blood to get me in. Are y'all with me? When when we run, when you run across a person in this day who is anxious, you've got to tell them the answer. There's no other way around it. Now, go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. You say, well, pastor, I don't know. Yeah, you better listen. No devil whisper in your ear. I have seen, listen to me. I have seen many, many, many glorious things in my walk with Jesus. After 35 years, I have seen some amazing things. I've witnessed to people and see them get saved. I've prayed for people, seen them get healed. And I have also been rejected. I've had some people that I really love. I never forget one of my best friends. I was sharing the gospel and took all day. Just, I just knew this day was going to be victorious. At the end of the day, he's going to grab me and, 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 and we were going to pray together and just going to be glorious. And at the end of the day, he looked at me and said, well, Robert, you always were an opinionated little blankety blank. And of course, I wanted to jump out of the truck and say, well, burn in hell, you sinner. But I didn't. I've loved him and prayed for him all these years. But it don't make any difference. You got to preach the gospel. Ephesians 6.10 says you're already armed. Hear this. God in his army has already given you the weapons you need. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You're not doing it in your strength, your ability. You got to be doing it in his power and his ability. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is wily. He's wily. He, I, I got to give him credit for that. The sucker can pull some stuff sometime that I have to say, man, my hat's off to you. That was a pretty good one there. But you're going to get defeated. But I mean, that was. <laughs> for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness of this age. Listen to me. I've been telling you this the whole time. Have I not told you all this since the pandemic started? Have I not been preaching this? Said, this is not about Republican and Democrat. This is about kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. This is about demonic things. This is about demonic whispers in people's ears. This is the fulfilling of first Timothy and says in the last days, perilous times are going to come, right? There's going to be doctrines of devils and deception going on. I've told you all this the whole time. You're not fighting the person. It's the devil behind it. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So you're not having to try to get it. You're not having to buy it. You're not having to beg for it. You're not having to steal it. It's coming to you. It's already given to you all the weapon, all the weapons you need, all of the 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 whatever it be, the ammunition. There's no ammunition shortage in heaven. Right. You just got to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having gird your waist with truth. You see, folks, I I was speaking to a person the other day, a a fellow person in the ministry. And and, and I said, really, with all the things going on in the world, you know, and and we're not connected with the denomination that's trying to split or ordain uh, people that shouldn't be and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I, said, I said, really, my job's really easy. All I have to do is know what the Bible says. I just got to preach the word and stay in the word and preach the word. And they said, yeah, I know. That's it. It's the answer. And it really makes it easy. I, my whole life, it doesn't make any difference. If your life, same way. Folks, we're not arguing and 
we're not arguing with people about culture and politics and this. We just, want, we just believe the word of God's true. It's the truth of the word that sets people free. It's not you and your great oration, your great way of speaking and your great way of putting it out. No, it's not that. It's the truth that sets people free. And all they want to know is, are you living by the truth too? Is it what sets you free? I don't know how people are operating in the world today, and I guess they're not doing too good. Uh, if you don't have Jesus, right? I mean, if COVID didn't kill you, the variant's going to kill you. And if that didn't kill you, the shot's going to kill you. And if the shot didn't kill you, then uh, what's coming's going to kill you. And then the Chinese are about to release something else new on us. And then that's going to kill you. And then there's, I mean, there's just no hope, right? Every day you wake up and there's some other stupid thing out there that they're all potent. They're going to kill you. Or they're going to take this from us or charge us for this or tax us on this or this or that. I mean, you just look at it. You don't wake up in the morning and there's no lollipops and candy canes. Right? And once you don't have Jesus as your rock, you're standing on and say, hey, God, you're in control. You're going to take care of it all. You're going to get us to where we need to be. I'm going to get on the other side. We're going to get as many saved as we can. Going to get them by the heads, all of them, haul them up there to heaven, bless God. I mean, if you don't have this attitude, folks, I'm telling you, you're going to miss it. You're, gonna, you're just going to wake up in the morning and just, just be like a sheep just going to the slaughter. You're just going to just kill me. Rather than being like a buzzsaw, you know, just turn loose on humanity. You've got the whole armor of God. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I think we've got an evil day on us. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, gird your waist with truth. That's so your pants don't fall down. Now, have y'all ever, I shouldn't even tell y'all that, because then you'll say, what? Every now and then, pastor needs a laugh. Okay. And so, like, you can go on YouTube and type, uh, old man uh, losing his pants. <laughs> and they'll show all these things. Grandpa, he's going to jump on the trampoline with the grandkids, and he drops his britches, you know. Uh, you know, all these things like that. That's why you have truth on you, so you don't lose your pants. All right? So, uh, it's held up by the truth of God's Word. You know, my belt is a pretty important thing. The older I get, it's even more important. That's what holds it all together. He goes through and it says, and then you're going to take up uh, waist guard with truth, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith in which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And with the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all preservation and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth I'm boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Okay, so I don't want to get into all that, that in a specific tonight, today, this morning, this time. But I just want you to know that whatever, the weapons that are, that are there for you, it's all there for you. It's all available for you. It's not like it's, you've got to plead it from heaven. It's all there for you, but you do have to put it on. Hello? So if you're talking to someone and you're telling them about Jesus, just stay in the truth and you'll be okay. Because see, the world wants to get you twisted off. Well, what do you think about this and the counterculture? And what do you think about that? I don't know. The Bible says right here, I love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Your neighbor is yourself. Uh, what, what else? Oh, he said, well, yeah, but who's my neighbor? Oh, there was a story over in Luke 10 about that. The story about that. Let me, let me read that to you about the Good Samaritan walking down the road. The neighbor was the person he came across. Yeah, but no, let's just keep it on the. Just don't go out there and try to make anything up. Let's keep it in the truth. You see, if you stay in the truth, 
You'll never be defeated. You're always going to be walking in victory. You're always going to be walking in the wisdom of God if you, as long as you stay in the truth. Get over there and start giving them your opinion. You're in trouble. But God wants you to use your weapon of influence. Everybody say this morning, I got a weapon. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, I got a weapon. And it's your, it's your sphere of influence. Who, who are you influencing? Your family? Friends? Your town? Okay, because, you know, I have people that I know, and there's a lot of people that know me because they watch the broadcast, but I don't know who they are. And they feel that they know me, but I don't really know them. And so, you know, I'm saying your town, because you, you still are influencing them out there. They may know who you are. Your state. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much state influence we have. But my point is, is who's around you? And as the story of the Good Samaritan was, it's who do you run across in your day? Like our church is having an influence in Kenya because we support the orphanage and we're doing that. We have an influence in Guatemala. I'm not there all the time. We're not personally touching it, but our dollars are keeping things going. They're there. We do have an influence there, right? But I'm talking about us. Who's your area of influence? Who do you run across? Who do you meet? Who is a new conversation? Who is a new client? Who's a whatever? Those people are still, you have an ability to influence them. I told y'all when we were up uh, a little vacation and my wife walks into a store and she's up talking to this lady. They said, do I know you? I think I know you. And then the common denominator was they were both Christians. And there was a, they could sense that. But what's your influence? Oh God, here they come. (laughs) Don't let that be your influence. You want to be the person in town that, that others want to drink coffee with you. Hello? But this goes back to step one. If you didn't do step one and use the weapons of God to get your own heart healed and your own mind straight, well, then you're, you're not a very effective weapon, so nobody wants to drink coffee with you. God is looking right now to use you powerfully in your influence with others. You hear about somebody sick, call them and pray for them. Well, I'm not very good in prayer. Then call them and say, I'm going to pray for you. Let's just pray first. Jesus, heal them. Okay. That's good enough. Man, I'm telling you what, if, if, you know, like I've read books before, like Tozer and some of these other books and of these great writers and you read them and I just read them I'm like, wow, what a vocabulary this guy had. I wonder what his conversation sounds like to Jesus. I mean, I'm like, yeah, coffee's good this morning, Lord. Praise God. Everything okay in heaven? Yeah, all right. Well, good. Well, I've got some things going on down here. We need some, you know, need some rain. You know, these are my conversations. Lord, I don't know what's wrong with them bunch of knuckleheads over there, but bless God, we're going to have to do something. I just pray you arise in the midst of them. And I'm telling you, he's okay with my conversation. Yes, amen. Because that's all I got. If I tried to up my game, I'm going to get in trouble. So I just be who I am. All God wants you to do is be who you are in the influence that you have around you. That's all he wants you to do. He's not asking you to be the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-perfect everything. Maybe you have to say, you know, that's a good question. Let's go over here and get in the concordance and see what the answer is. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with not having every answer. There's been times in my own life. Here just the other day, I was talking to somebody, and they got to talking about something. I said, I started laughing. I said, man, I said, you're going over my head and all this. I said, let's just stop for a minute here. Let's just get up here and let me look up some of this stuff, what you're even talking about. 
I said, I didn't even think anybody even thought like this. Most people are just worried about just making it through the day. And where did you come up with this? That's okay. I don't have to have an answer for everybody. Jesus is my answer for everything. All I know is that he changed my life, folks. Has he changed yours? Has he made a difference in your life? That's all you have to tell someone else. You're here today at church or tuned into the broadcast because why? That's it. You read your Bible. Why? That's all you got to tell them. You read this. You know, and a lot of people get hung up and y'all just don't understand You've got to just, you see, I, I've showed you all this before. You see all this scribble on here? All the scribble that's on this piece of paper? That's the chapters that I've read, that, I, that in my daily reading, I'm reading. Well, I'm not such a genius that I'm going to sit down and memorize where each one of them was. Good gosh, just get a pen and a piece of paper and write it down. And it's, if I wanted to remember where I was going to reference that, I just pull out my little notes and say, oh, yeah. Yeah, I read Matthew 8 this morning. You don't have to be this huge memorizing person. Just take some notes. Folks, if you would download the Waterhole app, just download the Waterhole app on your phone. And if you get around somebody and say, oh, just hold on just a minute. Click on the Waterhole app. Go down there to scriptures. Scroll through the scriptures or whatever you're discussing. It's all on there. I already put it in there for you. Sickness, discouragement, despair, whatever it be. Scroll down it, click on it, and say, okay, now what were you saying? Oh, well, it says right here. And, <laughs> and they're going to say, wow, you're so smart. No, I just got the waterhole app. I mean, I already got it for you. And what you've got to do is you've got to be willing to be God's vessel, his weapon, his battle axe that day for that person, for that situation. But come armed. I'm not going hunting with one shell. No, I'm not going to do it. You know how many times I've gone hunting and taken let's just say 10 extra shells and then never shot one bunch. But you know what? I was ready. Yeah. They may have been coming at me in herds. I was ready. I'm prepared. Amen. See, that's what I <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, we all like to think that we're big and bad and got it all under control, but I really don't know how good we'd do in some sort of an uprising and civil war because most of us guys couldn't find where we put our clip or, you know, something like that. You're going to be out there looking around saying, I know I had a box of shells around here somewhere. Now, where did it go? You know, because that's the way most men are. We can't remember what we did with anything that we had. So we're going to run out of shells pretty quick and then you're going to say, I know I had some somewhere. That's why I have mine organized. <laughs> I have a shell organizer. <laughs> I asked for it for Christmas. Got it. But you understand what I'm saying, folks? We're talking about eternity. We're talking about souls. We're talking about people. We're not talking about something that's minuscule. We're talking about eternity. Oh, how prepared we should be. How every morning we should wake up sharpening our knives, our swords of the spirit, ready to go to battle every day for any soul that came around us, anybody that came around us, maybe a telemarketer. Are y'all with me? And if you take that attitude, well, then you're going to be accomplishing the second phase of being, being a battle axe. You're a weapon that can be used. So my plea to you today is, and the plea of the Spirit is, now is the time. You know, I preached Wednesday night about Esther and, 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 and Mordecai and Haman and all that. It's a great message. You've got to go listen to it. But he said to Esther, for a time such as this as you're born, and I'm telling you, for this time y'all were born. You're here. 
I, I, I can tell you that. I can, I can get real spiritual, real Pentecostal about it. Spit flying, yay, hey, thus saith the Lord, for times such as you're born. But I'm just telling you, I can say that because you know why? You're here. Acts 27 says, all your times are arranged by God. You're here. We're in this mess right now. You're the ones that God's going to use as his battle axe to deliver this situation. Now, you don't have to have, be concerned about delivering the whole world, but we should be praying for the world. And this is my last point. My prayer, because, you know, I don't know what to pray specifically, at least the spirit of God, give me a specific word. So I pray, Lord, let God arise. Let your enemies be scattered. I mean, it's a great, it's an, it used to be an, it's an old song, but it's a psalm. And I just pray, Lord, arise and let your enemies be scattered over the United States. I pray that every day. I pray that two, three, four, five times every day. Lord, arise and let your enemies be scattered over Living Waters Church. Arise, O oh God, and let your enemies be scattered over the water hole. Lord, arise and let your enemies be scattered over Utopia. You know, you should be praying like that over your town every day because you have an influence in the demonic realm because you are a child of God. Yes, Lord. You should be praying over your house the same way. You should be sitting there saying, this house is a sanctuary. This house is the temple of the living God. Ain't no devil in hell going to come up around here and live around here. You should be speaking these things and praying over your house. and do it. That's a part of everything going on in your life. Amen. Now listen to me. I really believe that God wants to do something amazing right here with, with our, our church in this area right here. And I'm, I'm getting some wild ideas and I'm just praying that it's God's, you know, and that he's leading me and I'm, I'm doing everything I can to just be held back because I'm, I've always been the, the guy that runs in front of the Lord and then has to run center. Are you coming? <laughs> and so I don't want to do that, but I'm just believing for just I, folks. I'm telling you, I, I say these are the greatest days of our life. I say we are in the greatest position of life. I say God wants to do such great things. Today's not a day like we're cowering down, eating our cheese and crackers. Hello? I'm saying today's the day. I'm just looking for the army to rise up. I'm just looking for each and every one of y'all to start dragging people into church here. And, 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 just, and, and then I'll deal with whatever has to take place to get filled up or whatever. But that you guys are such an influence out there in the world every day, everywhere you are, just talking to people and telling people, and encouraging people. And waitress at the cafe, you're just blessing them. You're blessing over here. You're blessing everywhere you go. Blessing everywhere you go. People just want to be around you. People just want to come to church. I don't know why we're here. We just like to hang out. This feels good. I want y'all to know I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. Every once in a while, it's like I get mad and I have to stop and shake my head and say, man, you guys just won't quit. You know, and I get a little irritated. I'll admit it. And I have to go out there and complain, talk, kick rocks and, you know, and then I get myself under control and say, Lord, I know you got a you know, purpose and a reason for this. And we're going to get things going to be OK, you know, but, you know, I don't have a fear of losing the battle. I'm telling you, folks, we're going to see victorious, glorious things here. But you need to pray. You need to be a battle axe. Every day you need to be praying. Every day, every day you should be praying. Listen, if you're not, shame on you that you're not praying for the church every day, praying for us every day, praying for the leadership around here every day, praying that. I mean, y'all should seriously be praying that I keep my head on straight. Right? Because, I mean, you need to be praying that. That's all I will say. Let pastor keep his head on straight, not, you know, hit somebody. <laughs> because that's what works. Now, I don't, listen, I don't covet. No, let me, let me change it. Let me make sure this sounds right. I'm not asking you to pray for an hour the most earnest prayer that you could ever have uttered. I'm just saying keep at it. I'm saying keep it up all day long. Just keep throwing up a prayer every time you stop, every time you eat, three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and supper, every time you're putting food in your mouth, pray for the church. How about that? That ought to, that ought to do. Some of you might get six or eight times a day. And, you know, you got breakfast, you got mid-morning snack, and then you got lunch, and then you got the afternoon snack, and then you got supper, and then you got the snack before you go to bed at night, you know. So, you know, I may get six prayers out of you. 
But let's just say that. Let's just make it a rule right now. When you put food in your mouth, pray for the church. And I, I'm not, you know, like, again, you pray as God directs you to pray. You can get down, spit, fly, and do whatever you want to. You can just, however you want to do it, you just pray. But pray for the church. Pray for the leadership. Pray that this church is going to be, we're going to be the, 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 truly the water hole for the world. Just what the sign says. Okay? And you're going to start to see some things change, folks. And I feel that we're right on the edge. We're right on this, this precipice. Just, just about to tip over into glory. Amen? How many of y'all agree with me? Say amen. amen. How many of y'all think I'm crazy? Say amen. amen. Ah, I got a few. Okay, well, praise God. Well, I want you just to put your Bibles up and stand up. I want to pray over you. I want to bless you. I want to have a prayer team come down. For those of you watching the broadcast, I'm telling you right there, man, you're hooked in with us wherever you are. Hear this message. Get out there. Witness to people. Tell people about Jesus. Be that your sphere of influence over them. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer over y'all. I'm going to, if you're not in agreement with me, well, then just don't be in agreement with me. But at least stand there and smile at me so I don't feel discouraged, okay? All of y'all at home, I know all the, 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 the y'all watching today, y'all are excited. Because see, I know, I'm, I'm visualizing what y'all's face looks like. <laughs> and so y'all are excited just saying, Pastor, just shut up and pray. I want it. And so I'm going to pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just declare over people's lives right now. Like, Jesus, you have done such great things for us. Oh, Jesus, you have done such great things for us. You saved us. You freed us. You healed us. So, Lord, the greatest thing we can do for you is tell others about it. So I pray right now, Lord, that every person's sphere of influence enlarges this day. That, Lord, they have eyes to see those that are, are truly that, that, as the Samaritan found the wounded person on the road, that you give us eyes to see them. Lord, I declare that we have ears to hear what you're saying, your plans, what's going on, what you want us to do, what you want us to pray for, where you want us to be, what, what's to take place. And, Lord, then I just pray over each and every person here today that, God, the boldness of the line of the tribe of Judah begins to rise up in the midst of them. And Lord, as we go out there in this world, that, that bold line begins to declare and begins to roar and, and people get set free, get healed, come to you, come into the kingdom because there's nothing more important in this earth than souls. So Lord, I just pray for them. I thank you for your hand upon us. I thank you for your glory upon each and every one of us. And Lord, I just declare this is gonna be a great week a great week because we're going out fired up with the blessing of the Lord upon us. And we give you praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church.